Come one, come all, precious pod baby. We are back in a new year. Same pod boys. This is Own Gold Podcast. The date of recording is January 9th, 2021. You heard that right. New year, but same content, baby. We got a lot to talk to you about. We're going to recap a bunch of what's gone on in the leagues, and then we're going to do a quick preview of what's coming down the pipeline, domestic as well as Europe. But first, to the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. So, I got we got to start the pod with really just not awesome news. On November, as you know, everyone who's listening now has already already knows. On November twenty fifth, we lost an absolute legend of the game, one of the greatest guys to ever play soccer in terms of just on the field product. Someone who you could tell went every time he was on the field loved playing the game of soccer. I mean, loved it more than anything else, and obviously. I'm talking about uh, the loss of Diego Maradona. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, obviously we're, we're a little late to the game just because we took you know, a little time off with the end of year and the holidays. Uh, but this was, you know, I think, you know, we, we've definitely, especially as we've gotten older, have seen some, you know, giants in, in, of the game kind of pass. But this one really seemed like it, it was a, a, a shockwave kind of through not just like the wider sports world, but the, the world in general. I mean, he was just like a massive and still is such a massive icon and figure, you know, not just to uh, Argentina, not just to people of Napoli or Barcelona or, or, or where he has played, but just to anybody who ever grew up playing the game of soccer, right? There was, I, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who grew up playing soccer that, that I didn't at some way or another watch film or videos or footage of how Diego would do those mirage runs, you know, through five, six defenders and, and spot a goal home. It's just, he is forever linked with soccer. And I also feel like he was like one of the first really icons of the game who showed you that your height and your stature didn't matter. I mean, he very much like Messi. He was, a, he was, you know, he was a short guy, you know, five, six, yeah. five, seven. And he just, the way he glided, like Eric was alluding to, his control of the ball. I mean, he just—he was a guy who was born for big moments. He to 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 kind of take a you know a a story that I know we both uh, liked before it turned to shit uh, in Game of Thrones. You know, even a very small man can cast a, a very large shadow. Yeah, and 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 also just like also the, the taking taking your your weaknesses and, and making them your armor. You know, his his size. You know, I'm sure when he was going through the youth ranks was something that was definitely held against him, but he used that as his greatest weapon. Defenders could not catch him, could not tackle him because he was too elusive, too quick, and just his control of the ball was second to none. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, there are not many times where I can tell, I can say, like, you know, that player single-handedly won that team something, but in 1986, Diego Maradona literally (laughs) single-handedly won the uh, the World Cup for Argentina and Mexico and just he, he lived his life to the fullest and sometimes that comes you know he made choices that aren't necessarily the most healthy in his life but 
it seems like he enjoyed his life every day. And if, if what he did every day found him happiness, then good for him. Who am I to judge? And I think, you know, some of that larger-than-life personality that he definitely continued uh, after his playing days is oftentimes what people would think of recently or, you know, in the past few years when thinking of Diego Maradona and not the, the mark he left on on the game itself. And, and, you know, thinking like a city of Napoli, he's probably the single most beloved person in that that entire city. Like, and as he should be. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he, he, he brought... He brought Napoli to heights that they had not been, uh, at least in the modern game. I, I don't know this. And I think it was you're the one who told me um, a few weeks ago that they that Napoli renamed their stadium after Maradona, and that was really really cool to see. There was also a moment, so you know, at his his Argentinian club, he always sat in the same box with his daughter, and and the team scored and went to celebrate at that box where his daughter was there, yeah. and it was very emotional. And there was just. You know, uh, Messi had great words to say. Pele had great words to say. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone you know had just was and, outpouring and, of really awesome words. And I just I think go look that stuff day, up. The day or two after he had passed, Napoli had a game, and uh, Insigne scored and pulled out a Maradona Napoli jersey and celebrated with that. He says tribute, and there were just a lot of great tributes uh, kind of across the world because he was so you know omnipresent and, and everywhere to everybody yeah and um there's a really really good documentary about him on hbo and i highly recommend people watch that you shouldn't have much to do in these times and so um but we just i feel a little remiss if we didn't you know talk about that and i know even though it, like eric said it's been a while it's just something we kind of both felt was important to address and that's the thing you know it's it sucks you know but as you know as we get older and these legends you know they start they start passing away and it's that's just part of the that's the tough part of the life cycle but and I think his memory will be honored and I think people will always remember him as as he should be as one of the greatest soccer players to ever play the game. Yeah. And on kind of that kind of a bit of a bummer note on a much lighter note um we're, <laughs> we have not been doing such a great job. We of, end we end every episode asking you guys to send us <laughs> you know uh, emails or. Uh, other social media interactions, but we mainly ask for emails, and uh, turns out we haven't been checking them. Yes. Um, now I'm looking at our. Uh, so this is obviously mailbag for d bags. Some of you, if you've maybe started listening in the last four months, you have no idea that we've had a mailbag segment. Well, <laughs> surprise! Here we are. Uh, Eric, have you been using this account for DoorDash? No. <laughs> okay, we're getting a lot of weird emails. <laughs> have you? Are you are you using this account? There are at least two burner phones that are numbers now associated with this account. Is that you? No. Okay. All right. So that's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. We Pod has been hacked. Okay. Um, we have an email from our good friend Archie. I would like to submit this fullback slander for y'all's review. This email is dated in september 22nd uh looks like a person who will only be identified as brian r said how is his podcast i haven't listened in a long time someone only this is, this is okay this is a screenshot of uh a group text and it says so Brian R. said, how is his podcast? I haven't listened in a long time. I'm guessing they're talking about y- you. You're the his. I guess this is your podcast now. Fuck me, eh, Gaffer? 
And then someone who will only be identified as Addison C. said, the next U.S. national team star, LOL, he's a fullback. To which I believe Archie responded, what's wrong with fullbacks? Addison C., Gio Reyna will be the next U.S. star. As it, so the implication from Addison C. here is that a fullback could not be the star of a national Because So are we talking about Brian Reynolds? Well, if this is September, I feel like maybe we're talking about Anthony Robinson. But I was okay. I don't. I have no fair. idea. I have no idea. But it's it's, it's irrelevant because well, the issue. The, is, I think the greater point is that a fullback could not be the star of a team, and that could not be more wrong. Philip Lom. Philip Lom. Joshua Kimmich. Um. Kind of one of the offensive stars of Milan is Theo Hernandez still. Theo, Theo Hernandez, even though France refuses to uh, acknowledge him. I feel like there is a large my a large segment of people who would tell you that Trent Alexander it's, Arnold it's, is the star player of Liverpool. Yeah. Well, also I think I think you know not to not to go down that semantic argument of how we're going to classify players because I think that was what the last time we we, we potted <laughs> things got testy, but we're not even talking about a team a team star player. We're talking about the next like upcoming star. So it's not even who is this team's best player, or most important player. It's who's going to break through and like be the one to watch moving forward, right? Milan's breakthrough star is not Ibrahimovic. He broke through like 30,000 years ago. Um, <laughs> with T-Rex. Playing, yeah, yeah with, with, when he was a scorpion kicking T-Rexes. Um, also, that's millions of years ago, not thousands of years ago, but it's whatever. Um, so like, like breakthrough star for Milan, you could actually argue really would be Teo Hernandez or honestly even Davide Calabria with how well he's been playing another fullback. Um, so it's an interesting caveat that Addison C, you know, AC was saying Gio Reyna is the next breakout star. That's a fair point to make, um, you know, and it depends on how we're going to define breakout because Gio's only played, what, two uh, international senior level matches with the United States men's national team. But if it weren't for COVID, he would have played a lot more during this year of 2021. So, like, at this point, he could have already been somewhat established uh, with with the international U.S. competitions. Um, and therefore, I don't know if he would classify. Maybe Addison and Archie and Brian are talking about searching Dest. Uh, that's another uh, fullback that's... But he's kind of already been broken through and been established so it, it's my, hard to tell who but my point is that a full like to me what i find most offensive yes. is that notion that a fullback cannot be like the, the the face of the franchise and i think that is like starting to become so untrue that you're realizing that with the evolution of fullbacks being so offensive that fullbacks can oftentimes be the most important positions on your team because they can be yeah. part of generating your attack and stopping the defense like Which a lot of teams the most yeah. complete skilled player is of the fullback and that's why that's why you know Trent Alexander Arnold is their designated set piece taker. He's the best deliverer of the ball that they have, and he's their fullback. And he's also the most integral. Although, what was that? Well, I think we'll probably touch on it in the Premier League. But uh, in their in their loss to Southampton, he, he had he turned the ball over thirty eight times, which is the most turnovers any players had this season um, in a single game. But that just goes to show you he's always on the ball. Uh, so I think you're right. Addison is completely wrong in dismissing the concept that a breakthrough player could be a fullback. Although I think 
within the, the confines of the U.S. men's national team, I would look at Gio Reyna. I would look at Eunice Mensa. You know, Eunice Mensa. I would look at a couple other players that aren't fullbacks as the next breakthrough star for our team, personally. Yeah. All right. So this next mailbag, Archie, thank you, is uh, has several different subparts, and oh boy, there's there's some um. <laughs> oh. some, me- some meaty bits oh boy okay this is from our good fr- friend matt our quote staunchest dfw your staunchest dfw supporter here and i have some questions for y'all feel free to shit on them but they have been on my mind number one <laughs> who makes the most this is from october 14th who makes the most unforced errors jordan pickford or harry mcguire <laughs> also can england win anything of note with both of them in the squad <laughs> <laughs> I personally feel that Harry Maguire <laughs> makes a lot of unforced errors, but I also watch more of Harry Maguire than I do Pickford, so I could also as have someone, that bias. As someone since the James acquisition has been a you know true and uh, and, and faithful Everton supporter, um, really just in the league campaigns, I don't I don't watch domestic cups. Um, I think honestly, Pickford has just by mathematics. A, a higher rate of errors, but I think if we were to apply some sort of weighting system to the severity of those errors, Harry Maguire's are going to uh, out the, the total number of errors multiplied by the weight of their significance is going to make uh, Harry Kane's or <laughs> Harry Maguire's number greater. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like when, like when he tackled his own defender in the box, and also like conceded a penalty, and like there's just a lot of. Uh, England can't win anything of note, but it has nothing <laughs> to do with those two guys. That's just England, man. Like the best also, case let's, scenario let's for not England. Forget the fact, let's not forget the fact that England does have Pickford and McGuire as two centerpieces of their defense. <laughs> okay. Well, this next question is ED. Where do you see Mauricio Pochettino managing next? PSG, obviously, is what I would have said at the time, and I would have been right. Thank you very much. Uh, as a Poch supporter, I may be biased, but is, is he not what Manchester United is missing? He made a lot of Tottenham what, uh, a lot of Tottenham when they refused to bring better players in and stuck with what they had, which means you are suffering from a similar problem, albeit not by choice. Um, I've always said that in a lot of conversations that until the board is willing to change their entire philosophy and the executive level of how they conduct business, Manu has a ceiling that's not as high as people think it is. That's like, and I think pot could pot do a little bit of a better job than Ole. I think he could, but not significantly better. I think, he, I, don't, I think the team would be more consistent under Poch and we wouldn't lose to fucking Brighton ever. Yeah. Before accepting, you know, the PSG job, I, I definitely would have said, I think Poch, I think United would have, could have done well to you know to get Poch like yeah. that would be a, a solid hire, but I think we I think we've also just naturally addressed this conversation without the question in, in past episodes. I don't think he's the number one go to. Like I think we've talked about if they could poach somebody like Julian Nagelsmann uh, from Leipzig, you know that that's a kind of hire that that I think is similar to to Pochettino, but kind of has, I think a, a little different more attacking based mindset uh, with the teams that, that he that he runs uh, while also having pretty secure uh, defenses and you see 
reflecting his successes in developing other players like Timo Werner uh, and, and look at Deo Upamecano, uh, who's probably going somewhere for north of 50 mil. Soon. Probably not United, because that's what I want. So that's it's probably City, because like, that's what Pep does. I never get the transfers I want. Um, okay, number three. He numbered these, and <laughs> I'll tell you why this is important later. Is it crazy to say Portugal have their best squad ever, and Ronaldo isn't the reason? Um, I don't think it's crazy to say that Portugal might have one of their best squads ever, because I think we've talked about how stacked they are with Jao Felix, Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Bernardo Fernandes, Silva. Yeah. Um, isn't Rafael Lau Portuguese? Yeah, yeah. Rafa Lau is Portuguese. Andre Silva. They got all the, like, literally the entire Wolves team. Andre <laughs> Silva, the third, uh, the, only the, the third Bundesliga player this year to hit double-digit goals. Um, yeah, I, they, they have, and that was, that was somebody who like three or four years ago, Ronaldo highlighted as, you know, this is a, this is a kid to watch, uh, coming up through the ranks. Yeah. I think, I don't think it's crazy to say that Ronaldo isn't the reason. Cause I think there's a lot of great pieces coming up, but I still think he's playing at a level where he's still going to be like, you, you got to shape how I think this, the goal for the team though is still, Okay. We have Ronaldo, and we have all these really, really good players. Which of these really, really good players maximizes Ronaldo? And I think that still has to be the strategy for them, at least going into the next Euro, for now. Yeah, my one question is, is this team as strong defensively as some of their teams in the past with a younger Ronaldo? No, uh, I, I don't and, think they are. And from a goalkeeper perspective as well. you know, He's getting so up there. My, 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 my kind of question there is, you have a younger, you know, more individually dominant Ronaldo with a stronger defensive unit and a stronger goalkeeping situation um, versus an older Ronaldo who's, you know, definitely still but not not what he could do no. five no. years ago, um, and a more attackingly lethal team that could complement him better forward. But what do you risk in the back, right? You know, think about when Pepe was, you know, in his prime, getting red carded left, right, and center. <laughs> Kicking people in the fucking knees. I agree. I think this Portuguese team would would win a lot of games with offense. But, I mean, France won the World Cup with their offense. I mean, they won the World yeah. Cup final four two because it was easy. It was really easy for them to just score a shit ton of goals. I I I, I think I'm gonna lean towards this is the best team. Um, I don't know if that's actually you know depending on on who they come up against, right? Matchups yeah. matter, but I can unequivocally say this team is, I think, way more exciting to watch. I de- definitely think it is the best collection of offensive talent Portugal have ever had. Just Bruno himself being able to provide and create for Ronaldo is an incredibly exciting prospect, yeah. especially when you can put Ronaldo, you know, like as a floater or out wide and bring in a target man like Andre Silva, who works best, not as a target man, but uh, a forward Andre Silva, who works best with somebody else to link up with and work with. And then you can have, you know, people like Bruno, um, uh, you know, providing for them. It, it, it's definitely an exciting time. Okay, and so the reason why the numbering of his email is important is because we went one, two, three, and now we're at five. And I really want to know what four was. <laughs> I have no idea what four was. I'm fascinated. Uh, five. Can you explain what is going on in the Premier League as far as the Big Six plan? Dumb it down as much as possible <laughs> for us who have low-resting IQs. <laughs> so the Big Six plan is basically a way for Manchester United and Liverpool, who are the ones behind it, to make to really change 
the way kind of the English soccer structure is set up. And what it does is it – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one thing I want to, want to give a quick uh, heads up is to the context in which this came about. So due to you know the, the halt and then the uh, playing behind closed doors because of COVID-19, you know, and it's not it's just not feasible to have uh, you know ticket sales with, with play, people coming into stadiums. Um, the Premier League is doing fairly well. You know, teams in the Premier League are, are, are able to stay afloat uh, now that they have the games back on TV and they're getting some kind of revenue. Uh, but the lower leagues are really crashed, uh, cash-strapped and been, been hit really hard. Uh, even the championship, which is just one one tier below, hit pretty hard. But especially League 2, where the TV contracts are, are, are kind of paltry. And they, they get all of their sustainable revenue through you know tickets, through, through gate sales. Uh, so without having that for you know a full year now and... and potentially even longer as we're still in a fucking pandemic, uh, these teams in this entire incredibly cash strapped. So uh, the owners of Liverpool and Man United got together to come up with what they claim to be a solution for this. Yeah. And so basically what it is, is the Premier League as it is stand, like the 20 member teams of the Premier League vote on everything and Liverpool and Manchester United want to change it so that there are nine long-term shareholders who make all of the decisions of the Premier League, and which obviously those decisions then trickle down to everyone else. So they also want to get rid of the Community Shield, the League Cup. They want to cut the Premier League to, tw- from, to 18 teams. And just... Yeah, so c- c- a couple more details, right? This is this is Project Big Picture, is what it was being referred to behind closed doors. Uh, shrinking the, 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 the Premier League from 20 to 18 is a big piece because of what we'll talk about later. And, and we've seen other leagues do this. The Bundesliga is an 18-team uh, top-flight league. Uh, you know, just, just less games to be played and all that all that jazz. But so the the core tenet of the Premier League when it was founded in the, in the like, what, 1990 uh, was one club, one vote. Man United's vote counted exactly the same as Sheffield United, who had just gotten promoted, right? Um, Liverpool's vote counted exactly the same as Southampton. doesn't matter that they bring in so much more of the lion's share of the team, you know, of, of the revenue because of their, their logo and their brand. So shrink the league to 18, and then the, the historical perennial top six, you know, Man United, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, Man City, uh, and then you had uh, three others, kind of uh, which were Leicester, Everton, and I believe Southampton, uh, were elevated to super votes, which would be those clubs get two votes, the other nine clubs get one vote. So eighteen total, and you you could basically you would only need to get one of the lower nine, lower half cohort to vote with you, and you could pass it. Uh, but here's 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 why I gave that context. Uh, the other big piece was massive, massive cash infusion uh, immediately and over the next like two years to uh, championship and to League One and League Two teams. Also, uh, profit sharing of the Premier League TV deal. I think it was yeah, twenty five percent of the Premier League money would be trickled down, but that's the because of the cost of your freedom. That yeah, comes so, the cost so, of the of, of, of the big of the big boys getting to make 
every decision, including yeah. rule changes. So, so, so I, I, I'm not saying that justifies it. No, I no, just no, no. I, I, I'm just, I'm just that, saying like this is like taking blood money. That cash infusion and the 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 financial scenario that causes the need for the cash infusion is the window that Liverpool United uh, and you know a few of the other big you know big sticks uh, leadership kind of were supporting this as well. It, it was sorry, Matt, but there's no way that Tottenham is like like there's no way that. Like, Manchester United, Liverpool, and whoever's making these decisions, like Tottenham, I'm sure will be a shareholder. I think, I think, but it's not like Tottenham is like like one of the like scheming behind this. They're like Tottenham is like there's the there's a group text with Tottenham and there's a group text without Tottenham I mean, and Arsenal. I mean, Levy was Levy was instrumental to uh, the formation of the Premier League in the first place. Yeah, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was involved. But let's it was United and Liverpool driving this thing. Uh, and then what was really cool, like at Arsenal were behind it. I think Tottenham were behind it. As soon as this became public, you had fans from United, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham, all all like, fans of the big six coming together and personally condemning this proposal. Like even even fans of the teams that would outrageously and egregiously benefit from this were like, this is this is a violation of the spirit of the Premier League. This goes against like the tenets of the league, and it's a it's a fucking travesty that this was even like talked about behind closed doors not to mention the uh, moral problem i have with these teams using this situation to totally 100 percent like using someone else's financial burden and hardship during this to, to force them to force them into a like submissive force position. them into something in five years they'll deeply regret yeah this is basically a financial assault so this this email was sent when this was breaking in the news. <laughs> so uh, I believe the the project big picture has been scuttled or at least tabled, uh, at least publicly. Who knows what these you know uh, people are, are doing behind closed doors? You know they're having uh, freaky rich people parties. That that is for sure, and they, they're probably orchestrated by Kyle Walker because that guy knows how to have a pandemic sex party. <laughs> All right. Number six, I don't remember saying this, and if I did, I feel like it had to be the tone is missing what I said, but <laughs> wow, Matt is trying to end this podcast. And I looked through my phone, and I don't have a text that matches this, so I definitely didn't text this. Eric, Donna, Donnie reportedly answered a question about your soccer knowledge by saying, when it comes to soccer, he can't even sit at the same table as me. My anonymous store state this statement on May 22nd, 2019 at 7.30 a.m. Thoughts? I don't have any memory of saying that. I did not say that in a serious tone, if I said that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my thoughts, I'll, I'll give my, my <laughs> candid thoughts. I feel like that could be something that Donnie would say, but I don't, I don't think it's something that Donnie would mean. Um, you know, I could see that as Donnie taking the piss. Uh, hmm. Also, you know, I, I did not play at a competitive level. Uh, I know this. Donnie knows this. Donnie did play at a competitive level, so in a way, I can't sit at that table. But I think, especially with with you know how busy you've been with work, I watch a lot more soccer than you do. Hundred uh, percent. And so, so I'd be the first person to admit that. There's a way that Donnie couldn't sit at my table in, in some aspects as well. Uh, <laughs> it's different, Dude, different you just set me up from the meanest joke of all time, and I couldn't take it. <laughs> God damn it! So, I think we we both bring something to the conversation, and honestly, why, Matt? Why why are we 
splitting to different tables uh why can't we sit together and, and share our knowledge and grow together as people yeah. but apart because you know it's a pandemic and like these are virtual tables yeah yeah everyone get away from me <laughs> <laughs> number seven which there was still no number four by the way <laughs> is it time to retire jack relish from hawkeye of the week consideration seems like he needs to win it every time every week if he is considered much like Shannon Sharp says, LeBron is the MVP every year if we are being true to the award. This is an interesting conversation, actually. So this this comes down to, you know, and we don't have a true formula because we like to bend the rules to fit our narrative. But how how heavily do we weight hotness versus how heavily do we weight like heat of performance, right? If if it's like a, a two to one, three to one hot over heat then yeah jack grillo should probably win almost almost every single time uh but i think we do a decent job of of highlighting uh some of you know like the the heat of the performances yes jack plays incredibly jack does a lot of great things and jack looks i mean and yeah usually if he scores a goal and has an assist he's gonna be there one of us is picking him but i i I don't think he should be uh, retired because i think you know it, it's kind of standing. It's known that that he's in contention most weeks, uh, but we still want to be able to elevate when he has a specifically incredible week, right? The same, same, you know, he's not nearly as good looking, but KDB is an incredible player, and there's almost never a game where he has a bad performance. But we like we like to be able to highlight him when he has an on his, for his standards an exceptional performance, yeah. right? So so it's not necessarily about the the resting temperature. Of, of the star, but the, the moments where they raise their heat level to a, to a, a, another threshold that they don't, they're not able to maintain. And there's also a minimum of good looking, like you got to at least be like average for your soccer performance to make you hot. Like you yes. cannot be ugly. No. Like Kareem Benzema, and it kills me to say this, can never win a Hawkeye <laughs> of the Week. And it kills me to say that. It kills it's me. Rough. It's rough. It's rough. Just like Benzema's face. <laughs> Yeah, and like you know, that's that's also why Olivier Giroud has been hockey the week before because you know we we're, we've questioned his ability and his skill set publicly on this podcast <laughs> many times, but he's so good looking that like incredibly that, good looking that his threshold for performances just needs to be good. Like like if he has a good game, he's a viable candidate. And then when he strings together a bunch of games in a row where he's scoring, he's definitely candidate. And then when Frank Lampard just benches him, even though he continues to have the the the, the the mindset of let's cross balls into the box without our best header of the ball. Well, then nobody from that team is going to be Hawkeye of the week. Yeah, I think that, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. All right. So that was all that. That that I did not realize that Matt had like a six part essay for us to answer. And we, so here we are. Uh, for those of you who have families, I apologize. I. We had an episode, maybe it was the last episode, maybe it was the one before, it was a couple hours, and somebody texted me and said, two hours? Come on, man. I got a family. Because credit, he does have a wife and a baby. But I just... I really hope he doesn't let his baby listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's that's not that's, that's not the developmental... Uh, like You don't want to develop those those neural passageways, not with us. You do not. All right. The Premier League. Diving into our uh, little, see what's been happening in Europe last month. The Premier League table is a deceptive looking creature. Dude, it's awesome. I love it so much. Okay. No. I love it so much. It's so cool. 
I'm going to just go down kind of the list. I'm going to skip a couple teams. Like, I don't really want to talk about, like, West Ham, for example. But no offense to any of our West Ham followers. Okay, <laughs> Liverpool. Liverpool, I've kind of been in a skid, which included a loss to Southampton and a couple of draws. And they they just, you know, I know they're, they're having injury issues. They definitely got the injury bug big time, but... They're not as they're nowhere near as clinical as they have been in the past. Well, here's my question, not to cut you off right as you got started, but their big injury issues have been in the back, right? I mean, they were playing Henderson and Fabinho as their as their center back pairing. Yeah. Um, why aren't they scoring goals? Uh, I just think their offense isn't clicking like it was last year. I think last year their offense was clicking at an unsustainable. Everyone was having just about near a career year. Um, I completely agree. So. And also, I, think, I think that has to be more concerning than injuries because, like, injuries can't be controlled, and also eventually players will come back. But this unstoppable juggernaut is faltering yeah. up front, and it's supposed to be too big to fail. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, I think they're still going to be in the title race. They're definitely finishing the top four, and they'll be in the race. But I don't think, you know, we're almost halfway through the season. I don't think they are going to win the prep this year. Now, the next team that we're going to talk about is Manchester United. And this is a team that I would say is very fraudulently in second place, and a win at Burnley on Tuesday could put them in at the top of the table. But this team is fraudulent. Uh, number one, <laughs> we don't have a defense still. It's just incredible that I really believe if you run straight at Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, you'll be good. You just... Don't even change direction. Just run straight. If you run straight at Harry Maguire, he's going to foul you. That, that's that's the benefit there. I think I think I think Lindelof you need to change your direction ever so slightly, like, like drift lazily to the left, because then he can't he can't keep up with you. Uh, or, or actually drift to the right. That way, Harry Maguire will foul. In all seriousness, United just I'm just not convinced because they perform so poorly against the big teams. You know, drawing with Leicester, getting shit bumped by Tottenham, just lost to. Uh, City in the cup, draw with Chelsea, fucking losing to Arsenal. Like, really, you lost to fucking Arsenal eight team. Arsenal's already lost eight times, and you let Arsenal beat you. Just United, just are fraudulent in my opinion. But United will always be fraudulent. That's the thing. I I have such a hard time picking United generally and being positive about them because until they're not fraudulent to me, they're super fucking fraudulent. Why? Oh. Probably when we talk about what happened in the fucking Champions League. I'm not fucking over that. I will never be over that. And then, when Ole plays the big games, like against City, like, in every single phase of, of the game, Manchester City were superior to Manchester United in every way in the League Cup. And I know it's a League Cup, and that's different, but both teams were fielding pretty much first teams. They were both fielding what they would field on a Premier League day. Manchester City, Manchester United is going to be heartbreaking for me because there's going to be a moment... At some point, like maybe we get lucky, like we beat Burnley and we get lucky and we tie Liverpool, right? At some point, I feel like, unless we start collapsing now, which I would prefer, <laughs> I'm going to believe that we can win the title <laughs> at some point. And then you're going to have to, and Eric is just going to gleefully watch me believe this after right now saying everything that I've just said, logically, I know it's impossible, but at some point I'll believe we can somehow do it. And then I will just have my heart shattered. In just the worst ways imaginable. And that's all I want to say about Manchester United. Eric, anything to add? I think you've done a great job of highlighting the issues 
I think let's not gloss over the fact that you guys have incredible attacking talent. You really do. Your your attacking cohort is up there with the top of, of the Premier League. I mean, any team would give almost to be able to put Marcus Bradford up, up front. Uh, he makes plays. Bruno Fernandez, you know, him and KDB are the two best playmakers in the Premier League this season. Uh, right behind, you know, Harry Kane's right behind them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I mean, we've seen moments where Pogba switches it on. You know, when Pogba gets pissed off that United aren't playing well and he can change the course of a game with, you know, one midfield maneuver and then put it, pushing the ball up to Bruno or out, out wide to Rashford. You've got Kamani who, you know, once he serves this bogus suspension is, has a lot of experience and is clinical in front of a goal. You got, you guys have a lot of attacking prowess and ability, which unfortunately for you is going to keep United in the hunt I think, at least for a little bit. Yeah, but the problem is against the big teams, all that attacking talent gets mitigated when we just decide to put Fred and McTominay in there and hold the line. Yeah, or when you yeah. So there's the bigger issue is tactics. It's 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 yeah. This year it's interesting. You know, because like in years past, I felt like. United play well against the big guys and squander against like, you know, Crystal Palace or Burnley or some bullshit. With the exception of like the Crystal Palace fuck up that you guys had earlier this season, I feel like for the most part you've taken care of business against the mid table teams and the lower table teams, but you're just not performing against the actual you know, like cream of the crop competition. Um, yeah. Which I I don't know what that means tactically, but I think it means something. Um, Yeah. I think we are not playing with fear against lesser teams. And when we play against teams that are good, we play with a lot of fear. I think so. And and I I, I mean, it also kind of seems like it's not just the players playing with fear, but the team is tactically being set up to anticipate that. Yeah. So... That's my spiel on that. Um, moving down the table to Leicester. Leicester, I don't... Uh, you know, I gotta say, I don't think they're gonna finish in the top four this year again. I think they're just gonna miss out. So if we're just gonna jump into who's gonna finish in the top four or not, right? We gotta think about Liverpool and City are definitely taking two of those spots. Yep. I think United will take one of those other two spots. I really do. Yep. And then that comes leaves one spot for let's list off the the, the people that are presently competing. Uh, Chelsea. Yep. Villa. Tottenham. Villa. Yep. Tottenham. Villa. Everton. Southampton. Southampton and, that's and right. Leicester. And Leicester. And Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. Leicester's, Leicester's, yeah. That's a lot of teams competing that are all playing pretty solid. Uh, soccer right now. Um, Tottenham, you know, what, two months ago, a month ago, were, were being talked as title contenders, and then they completely shit the bed. Uh, but they, I think they've gotten a little back on track uh, with Harry Kane and, and Son <laughs> uh, leading that chart. They're never out of any game, yep. I, I don't think. And they have the experience and leadership. So so I, I think they are a, a solid contender. I, I, 
I think this Leicester team is better than last year's Leicester team. Yes, but at the end, but Brendan Rodgers is still the manager. And in this, in the in the last few months of a season, yeah, he collapses. That's true. He collapses. That is very true. And until he doesn't, it's like Klopp in finals. It was like Klopp in finals. Until he won a final, he was never he, he didn't he wasn't going to win final. Until you show me yep. different. I judge you on your past. Same with until you uh, until you prove you're not fraudulent, you are fraudulent. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because like, I mean, because also going up against you know Everton team that is still you know doesn't have Hamez back and they, they may get him back soon. Allen Allen is still out, um, and they're they, they they've refound their winning form. Right, that's a team that's going to be tough to challenge as, yeah. as we mentioned. Tottenham, Chelsea is is of those teams that we mentioned is probably the most talented. You know. Outside of the three that we talked about of City, Liverpool, and United, their talent, United's talent is undisputable. Um, Chelsea's talent is incredible. Their results aren't there. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a big new squad that can take time to settle, and also it's an unproven manager. You know what? Um, I'll, I'll say this about Leicester. I think we're going to know a lot by how they end January because of what their next four games are. Southampton, yeah. Chelsea, which you just mentioned, which made me think of it. Everton leads. Yeah. I think what they do in those four games is going to tell me a lot about what their position because they could, I mean, they could lose two, three of those games, but they could win two, three of those they games. They could win two, yeah. They if, could draw they, all four games. <laughs> if they can win two, I think, I think they're, we still won't know, right? Yeah. If, if they can win two of those, we still know. If they can, if they do better than that, then I think they're, Brage is starting to give us the finger. Yeah. If they, they worse lose, then then we can start telling Brage to suck it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna know a lot by them when we come February first. Um. So moving down the list, you talked about Tottenham briefly. You know, and I think you said it well early on. Oh, Tottenham title challengers, and then kind of, but then kind of maybe getting back on it now. Um. And we're still we're still one year away from the Jose implosion, right? It's always year three, and this is year two. So. So usually this is when they get good results on, on, on in a Jose regime. So yeah, I could see them making the top four. It would be so fitting for them to to nip top four and and, and final match day, and then Jose to like celebrate that as like a, a trophy winning victory. Oh, I'm sure he'll say that's his that'll replace it's finishing his... second with Man U like a few years ago as his greatest accomplishment. Yeah, um, and they they have an intro, they have a they have a a mixed bag for the month, right? In the Premier League, they have Villa. That could be tough. Sheffield, that's going to be a that's a win. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool, that's a tough one. And Brighton, that's going to be a win too. So they got at least two wins. At, they should at minimum they should get six points out of these next twelve. And I think if they do better than if they do nine think, or better, that's great. I think they they obviously must win their two win you know their two in the bank wins, and they need to get. If they can't get a point from Liverpool and Villa combined, then that that's, that that right. Like if they want to be able to compete with these top guys, you know, Southampton just showed that they were able to get three points off of Liverpool. Okay. Uh, if Tottenham if Tottenham can't get three points, or get a point off of Liverpool and or Villa, then those you know, let's start let's start jumping up overboard. I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Man City, who are currently in fifth, but have played two games less than Liverpool and only. Four points behind Liverpool and one game less than United. Four points behind United. 
uh, Man City is starting to look very, um, very good. Yeah. And they have a very, very, very nice January. And this is what scares me. Brighton. Goodbye. Yep. Crystal Palace. Ooh, baby. Villa. I think City's going to spank Villa. I love Villa, but I don't. I, I just, for some reason, Villa to me against Tottenham, that's a matchup. Villa against Leicester, that's a matchup. Villa against City, I just feel like it's a bad matchup for Villa. West Brom, RIP Big Sam, and Sheffield United. That is their January. <laughs> so while, and like Liverpool has to play Tottenham, Liverpool has to play United, I could eat. Easily see City going five for five. I mean, I bet I bet you there's one hiccup in there. I bet you there's either like one a two-two draw at Crystal pa- with Crystal Palace. There's either one loss or like one draw or maybe two draws. But I think they win what three? They're going to win at least three, and they're probably going to win. You know, odds are they win all five, but I'd say they win four and then draw or lose one. Crystal Palace is the one that jumps out as, as most likely. But we also saw what Big Sam did look to Liverpool. Big Sam can get a result True. because he's the most frustrating manager on the fucking planet, maybe outside of Jose Mourinho. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't manage the talent that Jose manages, and he's also not as good of a manager. Um, so, like, there, there are... There are Speed bumps, and this is a city team that hasn't scored like Pep City teams have in the past. Although in this last month, they kind of have they, their performances have been dominant. Um, so yeah, I, I think the smart money is on City to win the league uh, at this point with just the way that they're clicking right now, and you know with KDB, it's and Zach Steffen taking over in goal. <laughs> COVID relief. Getting them, getting them a win against Chelsea, getting a clean sheet in his first ever Manchester that save, Derby. That save on Bruno was a really nice save. That I'm was, sorry, uh, Donald. Well, hey, at least I probably Weston felt a McK- lot least, like you did when Weston scored. At least <laughs> when that goal happened, I was just like, it was just like I was just sad for you. I was like, not I was like, this. I was like, friendship with Weston McKinney is over. Gio Reyna is my best friend now. Um. Okay, Southampton. That's who's in sixth right now. Though they kind of have a couple of... They have some games in hand on, you know, Everton, Villa, Chelsea, which are all under them. Now, Southampton, again, I think we're going to know a lot about them in the next... This next month, because who's who, here's who they play. Leicester, Leeds, Arsenal, and Villa. Like you mentioned before, they've gotten good results. They got the win against Liverpool. But before, against, before the win against Liverpool, this was their four previous games. 0-0 tie with Southampton, or with West Ham, 0-0 tie with Fulham, 1-0 loss to City, 1-1 tie with Arsenal. So they started out a lot better than they have been. Yeah. And like, like, think about that. In their last five games, that's one win, one loss, three draws. Yep. So, and obviously Liverpool win is a very good win. I'm not trying to take away from that. I Nobody appreciated that more than me. But... I think they had some tough games coming up, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Oh, for sure. And let, I mean, also, let's not forget this was a team that was battling out of relegation last season, mm. and like so, I I don't I don't think they're going to to finish. You know, I, I, match day what uh, thirty thirty eight yeah. final final match day. I don't think they will be in a results position to qualify for top four. I think they will be in a chance to qualify for top six. I, I do believe that. Um, and I think more importantly for this conversation, 
And for us, they will be in a position to take points off of competitive top four competitors uh, throughout. I, I, as we saw with Liverpool, I think you know they could be a speed bump for for United, for Chelsea, for Liverpool City, for anybody. Uh, I really like what Hassan uh, Huddle has done there, and he may be a name to watch out for as some larger team in England and across the uh, the big leagues in Europe. Uh, look to make some managerial changes in the next year or two. Yeah. Everton have kind of had, kind of going back since we last potted, kind of a mixed bag. Yep, exactly. You know, you draw Burnley, but then you beat Chelsea, and you beat Leicester, then you beat Arsenal, then you lo- then you barely beat Sheffield. So, so that's yeah. good. Wins, 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 wins. And then, and then you get smacked in the moist. Yeah, and then West Ham beats you. And then they got Wolves, Villa, Leicester, Newcastle. Dude, Villa is involved in a lot of good games yeah. in this next month. That makes me excited. So, Everton, I, I believe it's just like, again, I think I really think the real Premier League table is going to shape up at the end of January because all of these teams are playing these big games. Everton have been messing Hamas for a while, but they're still getting wins. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I like, obviously, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Everton, and I love Don Carlo. So I want yeah. that. I would love for them to be the team to be in fourth. They won't be, but I think they could make a push for fifth. It's it's hard to count Carlo Ancelotti out, right? Yeah. Especially especially when it seems like he's got a team and players that have bought in to, you know, what he's bringing to the table. We saw that when they started the season playing some beautiful soccer, uh, and then this last month they've been kind of doing what needs to be done to get results, which is good to see. Uh, they also have you know they, they, both their starting fullbacks uh, were out for like the entire. November, um, or, or yeah, for for a while, uh, they're starting to get them back. They've they're missing Allen, missing James. Uh, if they can get healthy early in, December, in January after this little you know kind of break uh, this week with you know FA Cup and other domestic cup shit, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that takes us to the team we've talked about a lot, Villa. You know they've actually had a pretty good um, run of it since we last potted, beating Wolves. Drew with Burnley, don't love that, but beat beat West Brom, beat Villa, or I'm sorry, beat Palace, tied with Chelsea, lost to United, two in a, in a close loss too. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're still looking good, but they have a gauntlet coming up: Tottenham, Everton, City, Burnley, Southampton. They have to they have to for sure beat Burnley and Southampton. Yep, and Southampton Southampton's not. Not a, anyway, that's not a guaranteed win at all. I think out of uh, these 15, what, one, two, three, yeah, 15 points on the table, they got to come out with nine. Yeah. They got to they gotta either beat Everton. They, Everton or Tottenham are beatable, definitely for, for the talent and the way that Villa play, right? You just need a moment of magic. Like, they need a moment of magic against Tottenham when Jose's in shut down the game mode, and Jack Jack can do that. Ollie Watkins can could latch onto a cross. You know, Jack McGinn or John McGinn. Jack, I think it's John McGinn. Yeah. Uh, he could he could you know burst through uh, uh, the midfield like like there. That is that is there uh, against Tottenham, and I think it would make sense with some of the frustrations that uh, we've seen from Mourinho uh, with Tottenham. I don't think Villa. I I, I don't I don't think they have the experience uh, to ride this out into a fourth place finish. You know, who, you, know, you know who has the experience at Villa to ride a lot of things out is John Terry. 
Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. I, I don't think they have that big game experience, that crunch time experience. I think they can make a noise late and maybe push for fifth, sixth place. But I agree. I think the experience will get to them. And I actually think that like the fatigue at the end of the season will get to Jack Relish. He's last year was the most foul player. This year is the most foul player. Like I think that takes a toll on the body that may not always show up in missing games, but just not being able to perform as you could because your your legs get heavy at the end of the season. Well, especially with the congested schedule that we're getting this year too. Like uh, I think that's that, that can't be lost either. And, you know that all of that compounds. So who are you? Also, are are you in agreement with me that it's that that United are are in a good spot to finish in top four? They're they're the, they're the third behind City and Liverpool. Well, Eric, I'm not in agreement with you because <laughs> because United were in a really good fin- spot where they needed like two points to get out of their group, yep. and yep. they couldn't. So, so I'm just curious who who, who, who you know, I know we gave top wins at the beginning of the year. I'm wondering who you're going with at the end of you know close to the halfway point. Who are the other two that you're you're kind of to get up there? Liverpool, City. Ah, Tottenham, Manchester United. There, I picked Manchester United to finish in the top four. Now they're gonna fucking finish fifth place. I hope everybody's fucking happy. I hope you're happy. I hope all you shit eaters are happy. <laughs> I- it makes sense that it would be Man U. I'm not. I just. I it does. It does make sense. I think. Whatever. So I, I. I. I think you know. Obviously, I had United third, and I'm really between two on who's going to get that fourth spot. I think Tottenham is a very logical choice with their talent and their the 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 manager they have, but I kind of want to stick with my preseason pick. My heart. I think I think Tottenham I think Tottenham can do it. Not Tottenham, fuck. I think Everton Everton can do it. <laughs> I was like, I think Everton was. Yeah. I think Everton can do it. You want to talk about? Uh, I think they I think they could do it too, especially when Hamas comes back. That's going to be like getting a, a, a January signing. <laughs> the old Tottenham style. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Chelsea's not so good December? I mean, here's the thing with Chelsea. It was bad. They've they've beaten one team or two teams maybe in the top like twelve of the table. You know, we thought Chelsea were looking really good earlier in the season. I'm wondering if it's been a, a kind uh like schedule. Fixture. Yeah, yeah, fixture list. Like like I, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, reports are that Frank is now on the hot seat. Uh, whether that's imminent or like it will be judged at the end of the year kind of hot seat, I don't know. But either way, that is not a good sign uh, after the massive investment that he got, especially offensively, uh, to not be getting some of these offensive results with Werner uh, and, and Kai Havertz. You know, and, and there have been some you know situations that they can't control. Havertz apparently got hit really hard by COVID. Uh, Ziyech has been out for a while. He's just now, you know, back. Uh, but I, I, I think the pressure to have these signings deliver is causing Lampard to make bad choices. Like I, I don't think said very, optimal, very well. Said very I don't think well. I don't think an optimal lineup exists with Ziyech, Werner, and Pulisic, right? Especially when you're telling 
between Ziyech and two whip balls into the box. Pulisic and Werner are not winning those, bo- those balls. Yeah. You need Tammy, you need Giroud, you need somebody with a meaty forehead to, to bash that fucker in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what Chelsea do next. They, they, they have a relatively favorable schedule, I think. Um, but yeah. All right. So we've kind of highlighted some of the games to look forward to. Um, and I don't want to spend any more time on the Premier League than we already had, which is a lot. But I mean, come on, it's the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but come on. That's fine. <laughs> Eric, shall we go to uh, your neck of the woods? Yeah, yeah, so as as, oh, as can usual, I issue an I'm apology not... at the beginning of this real quick? Just real quick, I do have to say, um, I really thought Atalanta was gonna have like a like a hangover year this year, and they have just proven me very wrong in both competitions, both domestically yeah. and in Europe. So hands up, I was wrong. Atalanta, you were right. I apologize. I just wanted to say that. Just wanted to get that off my chest. I mean, I don't. I, they're not performing the way they were performing last year. You know what they they are. I mean, they are scoring goals. They have the second most goals in Serie A uh, behind only Inter. Um, but you know, we look at what's going on with some of the squad disputes and, and the, their key playmaker Apu Gomez is disgruntled with uh, uh, Gasparini, their manager, mm. and and or he's been used as a sub or been left off of the match day squad entirely in some of their recent games. You know, there are rumors that he could be moved in the January transfer window because that's how uh, how much those two are not able to get along now, which is really problematic. If if they have to move Papu Gomez, I don't I don't think they have what it takes to stay top four in Syria. You know, right now on the table they are fourth, but Juve and Napoli both have a game in hand against each other, and if either one of them win that game, they will jump Atalanta. Hmm. So, you know, that's just something to, or, or yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. You know, so they're they're fourth, but they're potentially sitting fifth, really, right now, uh, and I'll potentially look at the prospect of finishing the season out their best player, Papa Gomez or second-best player if you think Duvon Zapata is their best player, which is, is a fair uh, assessment. So I think you're – I appreciate your apology. You know, they have not, I think, dropped off as you know, a hangover would probably suggest. But, but I, you know, I, I, I think it's also too early to, to give that call, right? As we said, uh, they've played a lot of soccer these last two years, more so than they usually – than they're used to, and they, they could still you know, run out of gas. Exactly, which is why that, that was a reverse karma apology. <laughs> you bastard. This is this is only setting up Atlanta for failure. I'm trying to make sure that at the end of the season I was right. What happened? Like no, like we don't I don't make a mid we don't make mid, at the beginning we don't make mid-season predictions that no. you know, mid-season predictions all that matters is how you end. So if I have yeah. to if I have to fake apologize to mush you, I will. So right now looking at the table, um you know, we've talked about I feel like what we've talked about the last couple of years with Syria is, you know, Last several years, it's been Juve will com- will compete for the title. They'll have one or two challengers, maybe, but the real interesting finish will be the top four. You know who who kind of slots into the Champions Leagues. That is not the case this. Year. You know, I think at the start of the season we said Juve and Inter will will fight tooth and nail for the title, but then it's going to be a toss up between Milan, Roma, Atalanta, 
uh, Napoli, Lazio, and, and and maybe somebody else to to finish top four. Yep. So we're not halfway through the table yet, uh, but at the end of this week, which will be match week seventeen, which is pretty damn close to halfway, uh, Milan will finish at the top of the table, which is where they've basically been the entire season. Um, they were riding a pretty impressive league unbeaten streak up until the midweek uh, Milan-Juve uh, match, where Juve did dispatch Milan. It was uh, 1-1 going into, I think, the second half, and then Federico Chiesa broke it open 2-1, and then Weston McKinney uh, basically sent me a Dear John letter and ended our relationship. Ended our relationship uh, by scoring at the San Siro. He scored at the uh, Bernabeu and the San Siro in the same season, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he's he's dead to me. Um, or the Camp Nou. There we go. Yeah, it was Camp Nou. Yeah, I, yeah. Oopsies, oopsies. They did not. They did not play Real Madrid. They played Barcelona. <laughs> Sorry. No. Uh, to be fair, I thought Milan offensively had their chances in that game. It was just like it just wasn't happening. So here's here's my take on it. Um, I mean. Federico Chiesa, who I've been very openly a fan of for a while, um, had a great game. He had his best performance he's had for Juventus. He showed flashes of why they signed him in the first place against the team they needed him to play the best against. And you know what? Like, fuck me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Federico Chiesa and Weston McKinney are Juve's two goal scores against Milan. Like, those are, those have been two of my favorite players, you know, Italian and American for the last, like, two, three years. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Cool, 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 cool. So, um, before I spiral, but where, where, where I wanted to go with Davide Calabria, uh, fullback by nature, playing center defensive mid because Milan's Kessier, our, our, our first string mid, center mid, healthy. He's a tank. That's what he does. He plays because that's who he does. Uh, our, our second string, Ismail Benacer, out with an injury. Uh, third string, uh, Sandra Tonali was out with a red card. And our fourth string, uh, Rod Krunick, was out with COVID. So we had to play our uh, our starting right back, uh, who I guess is our fifth string center defensive mid in, in center mid. We were missing Ibrahimovic. Basically, if that'd be like if Juve were missing Ronaldo. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying Ibra and Ronaldo are comparable in, in terms of like who's the better soccer player, but Ibra is more important to Milan than Ronaldo is to Juventus, and I will die on that hill. I agree. Also, Ante Rebic, out with an injury. Like, I mean, uh, our, our starting right mid, out with an injury, uh, Sal, uh, Alexis Salamakers. Uh, like, we were just fucking gashed. You guys are estimated it, was, it has not gotten better since that game. It, it has not gotten better, but where I'm getting this, sorry to, to bitch and moan, um, in the second half... Juve bringing on players like Kulovelski, like uh, Weston McKinney from the bench. They're bringing on starter caliber players from the bench, whereas Milan are fucking you know depleted and playing playing key players out of the from the get go. I think Juve are top to bottom the more talented squad. Milan are more informed team, and it's just a shame that this game couldn't be played with full full fit squads yeah. because. I, you know what? I, I think I think Milan had an equalizer in us if we had more depth or if Juve didn't have the depth that they had. Yeah. That all being said, um, Milan have uh, returned to winning ways with a nice, uh, easy 2 two nothing win uh, today. Uh, 
Dude, how fun, a... how fun is, is Ra- Ra- Raphaelio? I'm just calling him Rafi. Yeah. Me. We can call him Rafa. I think people call him Rafa. Uh, we Rafael. call him Rafa Leo. I call yeah, him Rafael Leo. He's, he's, he's my favorite Ninja Turtle. He has he has the uh, the league record for fastest goal in Serie A. It's uh, just under seven seconds, and he scored it earlier this season. He he's a really fun player to watch. He can be a bit frustrating because sometimes the way he's so smooth on the ball, uh, but sometimes that smoothness results in passes that aren't as fast or as quick as they need to be to to break through the lines. So he can turn the ball over in like advantageous spots or, or in, in, in spots where we could, you know, get another shot on goal or score an opportunity, but his, the returns have been there and he's been exciting to see. And I'm, I'm really glad that he's been able to put in this performance. I love the way he just runs at people. I've always loved, loved players who just dribble at you and like, let's fucking go. Like he will take on anyone at any time. And I love it. And when you have Teo Hernandez uh, also joining the attack and what's been really fun with Teo is, He's not just doing overlapping runs. He's cutting inside and trying to to break through the box and have like a one on one with the keeper, uh, which is fun to see. Well, I think back. on Rafa's goal today, Teo had the hockey assist to Diaz. Diaz played a beautiful ball. Then a perfect one time pass. That, that yep. whole move was just so good, and that's the soccer a lot of which Milan have been playing this season. And I have watched more Serie A, specifically Milan, this season than any other season. Because number one, I'm not having to watch them fucking like lose <laughs> two to one every every to week to Genoa, yeah, to Genoa. <laughs> and two, I just love the way they play. And three, Theo Hernandez when he is dribbling on that fucking ball, it just I fucking love it's, that guy. I fucking incredible. love that guy. <laughs> so so I think you know there's a lot. And if I love him, that means he'll never make the French national team. <laughs> it's a game changer. Is he's honestly one of the hottest fullbacks. Uh, how in, his brother, who rides now. the bench, gets getting cowled up over him. I have no idea. I really believe that uh, D.J. Deschamps if he's fucking not, hates me. If he's not in the Euro squad, like, if he keeps this form up and is not in the Euro squad, then there there needs to be an inquiry, and I think you need to talk to Benzema's lawyers, and we need to see what we can do uh, and team up here. Yeah, coalition. But, so, so just not, I don't want this to be a Milan fest, uh, you know, Inter, as we kind of highlighted in the beginning of the season, and really, really talented, deep squad. You know, they've got the name ID, right? They've got uh, Big Rom. They've got uh, Erickson, who I think they're trying to ship out because he's not playing well. And Dude, he looks like a drug addict. Like, if you look yeah. at what Erickson looks like right now compared to two years ago, you would think that he's been doing crystal meth every single day for two years. <laughs> they have Latoro Martinez, who is scoring goals. Dude, he, how he, good has Hakimi been for them? Holy yep. crap! A lot of, so see that now. That's why I wish United had signed that right back, and then Juan Basaka could be a center back. So Hakimi uh, has been playing incredibly well. He, you know, he and Taylor Hernandez are the two best fullbacks in the league. I think no question. And you know, two years ago, they were both on the books at Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, I mean they got the. I mean they they got a good good team. Yeah. Can I just tell you that my favorite thing is that. They had a game, uh, not this recent game, but the one before that against um, Crotone. And yep. former Manchester United fullback Ashley Young was subbed <laughs> out for former for Manchester United fullback Matteo Darmian. I mean, I just, you got to love that. I mean, they, they, also have, they also have former Manchester United player Romelu Lukaku, former Manchester United player Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. They've, they've got the whole, the whole fucking, he used to play at United a bit down for you. And I love it. So yeah, they're they're second in the table. They're a game behind. They have a game in hand on, on Milan. So assuming they win their next game, uh, they will they will be one point behind. 
although so their next game, game in five is hours. it's a pretty massive game. It's between two and three in the table. <laughs> it's inter. I'm waking up for that too. Fuck, fuck me. It's it's inter Roma. Uh, Roma, who are playing surprisingly oh. well, I think. I think they are them and Milan are the two biggest overachievers in the first half of the season. I think Roma are overachieving a little bit more. Also, I think they should have one less point than they do because they played Milan without Donnarumma, and we do not have depth at goalie. And that's the only reason we didn't beat them. Um, Dude, can, but are we going to talk about Roma right now? Or are we still talking about Inter? No, 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 no. Let's talk about Roma. Dude, speaking of former Manchester United players, Henrik <laughs> Mkhitaryan. Has been it's on killing. a he's fucking slain. He's having a like a career year. Sixteen games, eight goals, seven assists. I mean, he is playing so well for Roma, and Chris Smalling also plays for Roma. There, boom. Yeah, no, Roma are playing really well. Yeah, you know, I think I think Inter and Roma have both unlocked something, and it's people that that were playing at the top level of the biggest league in the world, the Premier League, and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, had to leave either because they got displaced or they weren't feeling it, are viable candidates for game changers and for season changers in a league that's still very difficult and very competitive, but not quite the level of the Premier League. Well, and, and that's I think why a lot of these guys are succeeding. Like, Romelu Lukaku, uh, you know, Big Rom is a physical guy, but in the Premier League, Everybody's fucking physical. Everybody's physical, yeah. But in Serie A, being a physical guy is a little bit more. But but then reverse, Henrik Mkhitaryan, a guy who could maybe get a little bit more bullied in the Premier League, you know, has a little bit a little bit more freedom, a little bit more like not getting kicked yeah. in the knee at turf more. Yeah, type, type uh, in, in in twenty degree weather, yeah, yeah, on on a, on a rainy night at Stoke, right? I would wet. I would rather be kicked on a hot day than on a cold day. It hurts so much oh, more in the cold. Every t- yeah, every time, if dude. I would rather be kicked in Naples than I would be. Than I would want to be kicked in Liverpool. I'm like, like, there's no question. Let me go ice this baby at a vineyard, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so Roma are in third. We've got Atalanta in fourth. Juve in fifth. Juve have two games in hand over Milan. Uh, you know, so but they're also ten points shy of Milan. So they win both games in hand. They're still four points back. Yep. Uh, all this to say, it's very congested. You know, something very similar. I think Lazio are, are are pretty far behind now. Yeah. Lazio are one game in hand of Milan, but are 15 points back. That's, That's pretty massive. Napoli are only three points better. They are 12 points back. That's that's yeah. What's up, Donnie? Um, can why, why is how is Sassuolo doing so well? Can you explain this to me? I mean, they've. They've always, last couple of years, have been around. You know, not not challenging for Champions League, but they've been kind of that team that can that can take points off of the top top teams. They've uh, they've kind of been pushing for for a Europa spot potentially, and they're just kind of putting it all together, right? We look at they only have three losses on the campaign, uh, five draws, and eight wins. So I think they, they're drawing a bit more than they need to to actually make a I think. A splash on this table i i think they're going to fall down the yeah. table as we move forward if you look at their goal differential they're plus six whereas napoli who's you know once one point below them is plus 17 uh juventus one uh one point above them is plus 17 i i think sestuolo is going to fall a little bit you know they may finish above lazio who are at a, a goal differential of zero um and I go differential doesn't mean everything, but I feel like it is a pretty good indicator of like how well you've overall been playing the season. 
when sometimes results can be a bit misleading. So I think Sassuolo is going to be a major player in the title race and Champions League race, but not in terms of they will compete for it, but they will take points off of a Milan, off of an Inter, off of a, a Roma, Atalanta, Juve, that could be the difference maker in those teams' push for silverware or Champions League placement. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, so that's the, I, I think what what we've said the last couple of years holds true. The Champions League top four finish will be to the wire and will be fascinating. Uh, but also I have to say there is a bona fide title race. You know, Juventus have have some games in hand, and, and because of because they beat Milan on a week where every every other key player dropped points, they are now back. I'd say officially in the title race, right? If they win their games in hand, they will only be four points behind Milan, uh, which is with well another meeting against Bears. Milan down the road. Yep, yep. Uh, near the end of the season, it'll be like one of the it'll be like the third or second to last game of the season. That's They'll be play huge. Milan. Massive. So. I, I think what we saw from Juve and what we saw from Milan is Juve's squad depth is at a level that Milan is not at. I think Inter's squad depth is there, and that's why I still am. I'm not trying to karma, reverse karma, any of this thing. I, I think it's too early to say Milan are, you know, I think Milan are contenders for the title, but I'm not saying they're a serious contender. I think the goal at the beginning of the season was to finish top four. That is still the goal. If we do not finish top four, that will be a massive failure because of how well we have done. Um, I think my goal was we need to finish above Inter Milan because fuck Inter. And we are above them by you know one point if, if they win their game in hand. So we could realistically win the title, but no squad in Serie A is as decimated as Milan is. And if we can't get fully healthy in the next month, then we may miss our opportunity. We may lose this lead. This this lead on the table is already diminished to one point. It was four points. It was seven points. Now it's it, it's falling because we don't have the depth. And Juve and Inter do. Yeah. I think Serie A has been super exciting this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's going to end. It's been a lot of fun. I, if, if you're looking for soccer to watch... Serie A has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's all on ESPN big, Plus. ESPN Plus. When the big teams have been playing each other, we have not been getting a lot of new 0-0-1-1-0-1-1 games. We've been getting, you know, I think Milan. What Milan's game against Juve was three to one. It was a it was or one to three to Juve. It was a fascinatingly fun game back and oh, forth. Oh, for wide sure. Open. Um, what Inter uh, Milan and Inter Milan was like four two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Roma Milan was three three. I'm just naming the Milan games, but like a lot of these have been like that, or the ones that have been low scoring, they've been equalizers or, or, or winners in like the last fifteen minutes of the game. A lot of yeah, fun. It, it's been it's been really good stuff this year. Shall we go to the uh, the Bundesliga, or should we go to La yeah. Liga? I'd like to go to the Bundesliga real quick, and I just want to say one thing, and then I'll I'll let you talks i've been hogging the mic here no no i i think i mean i i, I jump in with the serial when i want to jump in and i let you do your thing i i'm learning just as much as everyone else is my, my thing unlike Liga. eric i am not gonna wake up in five hours and ten minutes to watch <laughs> roma and inter milan i will watch extended highlights like at two in the afternoon when i'm taking a shit like a normal person yeah that's the normal person i don't think either of us can can qualify for a normal person um 
going into this, you know, after the holiday break, I was kind of getting ready to write off the Bundesliga as we've reached boring Liga stages because I thought Bayern was going to start pulling away. And then, and then a lot of things happened in the last two days, and, you know, feel free to give your thoughts there. No, I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm just, I'm, I'm interactively listening. Okay, so we had uh, Bayern Munich on Friday playing against Borussia Mönchengladdaddy, and, you know, this was a interesting week where we have those two playing, and then we have uh, Leipzig and Dortmund also playing, which are the four Champions League teams uh, from the Bundesliga. And kicking things off, Mönchengladbach take it straight to Bayern, get up 3-2, and then hold what, 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes? Actually, no, they were up 32 at halftime, I think. And hold off the hold off Bayern for the win, and Bayern drop all three points. So, the interesting thing was that Bayern was up 2-0 at one point in the game. Then, uh, Gladbach equalized it, so it was 2-2 at the half. And then, That's right. like That's right, right in the first right. five minutes of the second half, Gladbach took the lead and just held it. And to me... We've seen a lot of Bayern coming back from early leads, from early, from early, you know, being down early. But Bayern blowing a two goal lead, blowing like a that, two lead, oof. and then and then also that yeah, so yeah. that's concerning. And also Bayern having you know forty minutes to equalize and not being able to do so is another thing that's, that I think is is pretty concerning and something that we always saw them prevail with last season. Uh, so similar to how I think Liverpool are showing some signs of. Yes, yes, Bayern is showing some signs of mortality. Um, but in classic Bundesliga fashion, Bayern drop points. RB Leipzig with the win to go top of the table. So what do they do? They get crushed by Dortmund. They, in an incredibly boring first half, but a pretty exciting second half, got absolutely wrecked by Borussia Dortmund. Um, it was before the game, I was kind of thinking, Jaden Sancho has been pretty disappointing this season. And he teamed up incredibly well. Marco Royce and with Erling Holland and the three of them had this is as a trio an incredible game uh, where they 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 had assists and goals as, with the three of them and Leipzig just didn't have the offensive kind of clinicality and firepower to to really make an impact on that game I thought yeah um, well said there I. And still, okay, it it all looks, everything you said is factually correct. Looking at the table, it's like, yes. And yes, Bayern Munich have looked weirdly vulnerable so far this season. Like like we said, going down early a lo- in a lot of games is not like a shot sign of strength. Yeah. I still think that in the end, Bayern's going to win by like 9 or 10 points. I truly do. And so like... Though it's not this way yet, in my mind, like, the Bundesliga has essentially ended, <laughs> and Bayern has already won. So, I, I think it's too early to officially phrase it as the boring Liga, but I do agree we're going to get there. Right? So, it's like, I it's don't... boring Liga in waiting. It's, it's, that's, that's what the interest is in, is when can we push that button? When can we draw the shades? Right, I it's think... like pre cum. It's not the it's like, the show isn't <laughs> over, but you know it, it's starting to come to an end. But but you know it's over. <laughs> you know you know how it's gonna end. Yeah, you know how it's gonna end. We don't know exactly when or where. No one's gonna be satisfied. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I think that's 
that's my take. You know, it's it's really exciting. Also, we had to talk about uh, Matthew Hoppe. Uh, I think it's Hoppe, Hoppe, uh, the American nineteen year old striker for Schalke, who scored his first Schalke first Bundesliga senior team goal uh, this season, and then added two more with a hat trick, being the first American to score a hat trick in the Bundesliga for you know anemic Schalke. Uh, giving them a pivotal win that they need to string a few more up to stay up. Yeah, that was really awesome. Some great goals, too. Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, two chips and rounding the keeper. Yes. <laughs> and so, what was awesome was he. there were some really intelligent runs he was making that his teammates were playing great passes to, yeah. uh, which I think shows a great chemistry and connection to hopefully lead to more goals in the future. Yeah, so that is exciting. Um Anything else there? Um, I just I'm waiting for Sargent to get a league goal. He has not scored in the league in forever, and that is tough. he he got a goal in a cup game, you know, against like a, mm-hmm. a lower league opponent, which is good to see. But I mean, he he puts so much work and effort, and I honestly I think even if Werder step up, I'd like to see him move on because that team does not play attacking soccer they don't build and so it's hard for him to i think even get chances and opportunities yeah. to put the ball percent. although i love the you know florian kofeld their manager truly sees a lot of value what what uh sergeant is bringing to them but i think as the season goes on if he can't score goals they're going to probably sit him and i i i, I don't want to do that yeah all right just got our the, the, the leagues Eric and I spend the least amount of time talking about. So La Liga, we'll start with there. Um, it's interesting because Real Sociedad was or Real Social Dad was leading the table for so long, and now they've dropped to fifth. And you know the table looks like it usually would, right? You got yeah. Atletico Madrid at the top on thirty-eight points. You got Madrid. Real, you know, Real Madrid at 37 points at second. And Barcelona have really, <laughs> Messi's really found his game the last few games. They've kicked it yeah. in the year. Real Madrid's kind of been fluttering lately. And so Barca's at 34. So you got 38, 37, 34. Atletico Madrid has three games on hand. Dude, that is absolutely wild. So that the one-point lead they have could potentially be a 10-point lead. With yeah, Atletico is... Madrid, it'll probably be like three draws, <laughs> so it'll be a four-point lead, but... I'm saying there is a possibility that Atletico Madrid could win the title again this year, and that would be dope. It's always cool. That would be incredible. Yeah. Part of me kind of wants Barca to win it so Des can have a league title too. But I I wouldn't. I wouldn't be angry. I wouldn't be angry angry because, like, at least I have a reason to be like, well, you know what? At least Des has like a a La Liga title. That's like that's like a good little. That's good on the 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 Redzi there, but. I'm just saying La La Liga is a pretty. Is like instead of the two horse race, it's three horse race and. I want to say well, this. Last week, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I would say if Barcelona are are in the race, then so are Sevilla. Sevilla are four points back, but have two games in hand on Barcelona and Real Madrid. So obviously yes. they don't have the, have games in hand on Atletico Madrid, but and they don't have the talent that Bar Barca, Barca and Real have. But just from a games in hand point perspective, they have room to move up and to actually surpass Barcelona if they win those two games in hand. Yeah, Barcelona have looked much, much better um, in their results. Madrid have not looked good, except for a win against Celta Vigo recently. But Celta Vigo, which we looked like they there was possibility that they could have been relegated, are now comfortably 
comfortably in eighth place where they belong. So, and then uh, for the uh, league, uh, PSG beat a team called Brest today. Leon <laughs> 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 uh, is technically in the lead there, but I mean, I just oh, I guess we did, we never talked about Poach really. Is that PSG now? They got rid of yeah. Tuchel. Well, yeah. they got rid of Tuchel and they hired Poach. That's definitely an upgrade. I don't know what they're thinking when they hired Tuchel. He got canned from uh, Dortmund for not being able to get the job done, and PSG brought him in. I thought that, I always thought that was a weird hire in the first place. I agree, I think... but I kind of do feel for him because their goal, they're like City where they only care about the Champions League, and he brought him closer <laughs> than any other manager before. So I do, sure. given what their goal is, I do kind of feel for him a little bit. That's fair. Um, that, yeah, you're not wrong there. Uh, also, you know, Lee Lil are on a level on points with PSG. Uh, that's where, you know, Timothy Weah plays. He got, I think, like 70-something minutes today, was subbed off. He People thought he was injured, and he, he posted that he's not injured, so that's a good sign. Uh, but he wasn't getting minutes in the beginning of the season, but he's been getting some minutes in the Europa League as well as uh, in, in the French League now. He's scored a couple goals, so it's something to watch, especially because they are in striking distance of the title. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, guys, we'll keep you updated on what goes on, but um, I feel like Icardi's going to get a lot more PT under um, his countryman, Poach. And I think this is a good hire. I'm really interested to see what he's going to do with the Champions League, especially with this matchup against Barca. Yeah. Um, but Barca, like I said, are hitting stride. But I know we said we'd talk about Champions League and stuff, but I think we're probably we'll record again within the next couple of weeks. And we yeah. can, and we'll be able to recap by pain of the group stage, and we can talk about the previews. We've been running long. Eric's got to wake up in five hours to watch the game. I just want to go to bed. Five hours now, I think. Yeah, five <laughs> hours, exactly. Um, but as usual, we do like the mailbag segment. That obviously generated a lot of good content. So I promise we'll be better at checking it. But uh, So please email us, owngoalpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, at owngoalpod. Every time I see somebody liked our tweet, I then go to their profile and it's like 18 plus, triple XX, 6 9, like three news, like little like water splashing emoji that's supposed to be cum. So that's always great. Um, if you like our podcast and you have a friend who likes soccer and would kind of find it interesting, maybe share the podcast with them too. Yeah, throw us a, a rate. You know, you also give us a review if you'd like. It's not going to be funny or not going to be nice. Don't worry about it. Um, otherwise, you know, really, really appreciate your feedback, and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. would be the enemy and destroy our destiny Cause our love is a battlefield And I'm a soldier made of steel And I'll fight until the end Shall wounds always bend Oh no I'm on camp here tonight And I'll win your love, love, love If you're ready for war I'll run the sun, sun, sun Just surrender your core Give you bombs of my love, but I don't wanna explode. So follow me, follow me.
to crush my spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever know. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, oh no. If you ready for